Well, hello, church. We'd like to welcome everyone that's watching online and everybody that's watching online and everybody that's watching online. We're so glad uh, that you're there. Uh, these are extraordinary times, uh, to say the least, uh, but praise God for technology. And um, you know what? God has often used opportunities like this. In fact, if you go back to the book of Acts, you'll find out that the spread of the gospel happened because of persecution. Church didn't do what it was supposed to do until the persecution came. That's when they scattered. So right now, probably never in the history of America have more Christians been scattered on a weekend than it's about to happen. This, this could be the greatest moment. I think about Churchill's speech in 1940 when he was standing there in London. London's being bombed. And he said, this is going to be our finest hour. What an incredible speech. What a rallying cry. And a, a, a retired pastor, tremendous leader, Dick Alexander, and pastored in Cincinnati for years. Dick Alexander posted online, he said, church, we were made for moments like this. So we're not taking it lightly. And, and somebody asked me if I was going to change my message. Not a word. All I have to do is insert, watch God's word at work, okay? Let's pray as the president has declared that we have a, a national day of prayer. Uh, it, it's high time, folks. Let's do that. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we pray for healing, not just for our city, but for our state, our nation, the world. A lot of people are anxious. They're scared. Uh, because of reality, I think, as much as anything else. I pray that by the time we get finished today, maybe for the first time, people will have peace because they've settled the score in eternity with you. They'll know that ultimately there's nothing to fear. But for those who have not accepted you, Jesus, that this might be the moment. So I cry out for my nation, for my president, for the doctors, for the health care system. So much playing out right now. We just pray that your spirit would guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to continue our series called Let's, and we're going through the, the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be at the end of the second chapter and the beginning of the third chapter. We'll get into that in, in just a second. But what we're going to talk about today is let's be a part of God's road crew because the church was meant to be on the road. We were never meant to just sit. We were meant to gather. Yes, Scripture talks about gathering and worshiping. Priority. But then the church is to scatter, and that seems to be our, our weakest moment. Now, I want you to know, before we go too far, that I have gold up here. I understand some of you would pay any price for this, and I have a mega roll, my friends. This could be the last one left in Ormond Beach, maybe America, and I hold it in my hands, all right? So if there's anybody here today that really is in need, uh, and then, can I have a little house lights, please? need the cameras to try to follow me. Is there anybody here that might need some toilet paper? Oh, look, right here, right here. Can the cameras get her? Yes, right, right here. There we go. We're so glad you came. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. My wife and I were at the hospital earlier this week. And uh, we went to visit a friend, and, and uh, she's, feeling, she's feeling good. She's recovered from, from uh, some health issues she had. And she said, I'm going to take the stairs. I said, uh, not me. I said, I'm taking the elevator. And uh, she said, well, I guess we were just raised differently. 
This is the same reaction I get whether you all are here or not. This is, this is beautiful stuff. And listen, if you remember when we were growing up, we had remotes. We got a picture of a remote. Remember when we first, we were big time, right? When we first got a remote, you know, because I was the remote growing up. But we got a remote, and once we had a remote, you could change that TV channel. And then we got a VCR. That's a video cassette for you younger people. And that dude had a remote. And then somebody said, well, I want to be able to use my, my audio and my stereo. And so they came out with what's called a universal remote. And I remember when I got my first universal remote, I said, this changes everything. That's funny. That's funny. All right. I don't care. It's still funny. Um, this virus seems to have changed everything, but here's the deal. Nothing has changed. I'm trying to figure out this phenomenon about toilet paper, so I'm, I'm watching, and I watch CNN today, and they had a psychologist on there, fascinating study. She said, when people get full of anxiety, stress, fear, they grab for what they can control. And even though there's no rational reason to have a run on toilet paper, or for that matter, water, I don't know if you know this, but if you will go to your sink and turn the knob, water will come out and it's drinkable. It's, it's craziness. But the psychologist said that we want to be able to be in control. And by being able to buy stuff, it gives us a sense of control. But in reality, what we found out is we never were in control. That's the whole point of our faith in Jesus Christ is that he has to be in control. And until you get to that spot in your life where you've accepted Jesus, because Noah Galloway, this is an incredible story. Noah Galloway is one of our American heroes. All right. Here's a picture of this man. I believe from Afghanistan is where he uh, got his wounds. This is an incredible story. And they interviewed him and they asked him how he handled all this. And he said, look, he said, I was prepared to live and do battle for my country. And he said, I was prepared to die. Anybody going into our situation knows that dying is a possibility. He said, but I was not prepared for what might happen in the middle. Folks, that's where we are right now. It's where we are with the coronavirus, but it's where we are in life. We don't have control. I don't know who's going to get diagnosed with the disease. I don't know who's going to die. I don't know what's going to happen to any of us tomorrow. We never were in control. Scripture says that God has every hair on my head numbered, every beautiful hair. And he has every day of mine on his calendar. And when my days are up, they're up. So I'm not in control. You're not in control. And so I think what the church offers in this finest hour is an opportunity for people to find peace. Because I think in our culture, what we've done is we run around thinking, I'll buy it. I'll buy happiness. I'll buy contentment. I'll buy peace. And all of a sudden, you can buy it all and you don't have any. Because you're not ready. Oh, you're ready to live, maybe. But you're not ready for what's in between. And most of our friends aren't ready for what's going to happen at the end. And maybe, maybe this is one of those times that they finally figured out, hey, I'm really not ready. 
So I don't know where you're at. If you're driving, please do not stand up. But if you're not driving a car right now, would you stand up uh, out of respect for the Word of God? And some of this we covered last week, but I didn't preach it, all right? We just read it, and we're going to kind of go into a little bit of this today. And the story's about uh, Jesus being lost in the temple and Mary finding him, and then we go into John the Baptist. Why were you searching for me, Jesus says to his mother Mary. Didn't you know that I had to be about my father's house? Didn't you know I had to be with my father? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them, and he was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with both God and man. Now, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod the Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, Tetrarch of Eritrea, and Trachonitis and Licinius, who were the Tetrarchs of Abilene, which we can prove all of that, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, who was the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain shall be made low. The crooked road shall become straight, the rough road smooth. And all the people will see God's salvation. All right. The first thing you got to do is you got to find Jesus. That was the key in the story from Mary and Joseph. And I know that's a physical statement, but for all of us today that are listening, you're not going to find peace and contentment because I found Jesus. You got to find him for yourself. Your dad, your grandpa, grandma, they've got it. Until you have found Jesus. You know what? This is true. This story is real. Let me just give you real quickly some archaeology here. Because I've been trying to show you in this whole series that you can trust the Word of God. 2,000 years ago, all the players that we talked about, here we go. All right, <clears throat> This is a stone that they found at Caesarea. The stone was upside down. It was used as a paving stone. What it says is... Pilate. It actually was his nameplate. Because up until they found this, the people said Pilate was not a real guy. This, the, Luke made it up. Okay, there it is in stone. Let's have some more fun. Uh, John the Baptist. This is where John lived. Uh, you've heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls. John probably helped write them. This is where John actually lived in the wilderness. Here's the inside of the cave that John lived in. 2,000 years ago, we know where the guy lived, all right? What else we got? Here's Herod, all right? He's called Herod the Great. He gave himself that title because he was a builder. Uh, here's one of his buildings. This is, a, this is a, down in southern Israel. This is uh, in Hebron. Uh, but he's the one that built the, the temple. He's the one that built the huge seaports. But Herod is not his name. Herod means hero. He gave himself that name. It's kind of like in Russia. The word czar means king. Stalin. That was not his name. You know that, right? 
He gave himself the name Joseph Stalin. That was not his name. The word Stalin in Russian means steel. Literally, he gave himself the name Man of Steel. Superman. That's what Herod did. The word Herod means hero. No wonder he was so upset when Jesus shows up, when Jesus is born and the wise, the, the, uh, the wise men come and they're searching for Jesus and they're talking about a Messiah and where is he going to be born? Because Herod has already proclaimed himself to be the hero. But there can only be one hero in your life. And in moments of crisis, you find out whether you've set up something that's real or something that's fake. Here's a picture of a, Ronald, a McDonald cheeseburger. Listen, I don't care who you are. I don't care. That's money right there. That's just good stuff. Uh, every once in a while, you just got to have one. All right? It doesn't matter whether it's good for you or not. And they do all the studies. And the reason I've got this one here is uh, this one, um, they just they had it in the laboratory. Ten years, it didn't spoil Obviously, they're saying we should go for, like, fresher foods and things like that. I get that. But here's what I saw. The blood of Jesus never gets old. It never molds. It never runs out of efficacy. It never is. It's like, well, it's, it's good enough for you and you and you, and it was good for the first century and the fifth century, but it's run out of its ability. No. Just like that hamburger, the blood of Jesus goes on forever. And it covers our sins and it gives us hope because we're forgiven. And once you know death's taken care of and Jesus has got me today, we'll figure out how to get through the in-between times. So find Jesus. So if you've not accepted Jesus, do that. You can right where you are. You can start right there. I need Jesus in my life. Jesus, I do believe. I'm in. I accept you. Then we'll talk to you about what's it mean to repent. What's it mean to be baptized? What does it mean to follow? We'll help you with all of that. But start where you are. Then he goes on and he talks about growth. It says that Jesus went home with mom and dad after they found him. And he grew in stature, physically, spiritually. He grew in his relationship with both God and man. Now, you talk to Christians a lot. This is an old line, but people say, I've been a Christian for 50 years. And the truth is they've been a Christian for one year, 50 times. See, we're meant to grow. We're meant to mature. But there's a story out of Honduras. This is a, a salamander. I'd like to get something weird up here on this salamander is a fascinating creature. He's been sitting in the exact same spot for seven years. For some reason, God has designed this particular animal that he can sit there. He gets enough to drink. He's able to survive. I don't know if food walks by. I don't know. But the salamander has not moved for seven years. Sounds like a lot of Christians I know. Sounds like a lot of churches I know. Guys, we're not meant for that. We're meant to go. We're meant to grow. We're meant to learn more about the Word of God. Go tell somebody else. Go plant another church. Go support more orphans. Go help another orphanage. We were meant to grow. Hebrews chapter 6 says, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance and acts that lead to death and of faith in God. 
In fact, he said, we shouldn't be talking about baptism anymore. That ought to be done. You should be growing. You should be memorizing Scripture. You should be learning more, obeying more, giving more, serving more. There's a time to grow. Here's another picture of a lady who, uh, for two years, this is true. This one just happened last week. You can look it up. Uh, She watered a plant for two years before she found out the plant was plastic. Moments like this, I think what happens, you find out whether your relationship with God's real or not. Do I trust Him? Am I really okay with my faith? Am I ready to die? How about this? Am I ready to live? Maybe that is the real issue. Because once you answer those questions, but listen, if you're watering a plastic plant, it's never going to grow. And it's never going to go. And it's just going to sit there. Now, It'll be okay. It reminds me of the plastic fruit that used to sit on my grandmother's table. It looked good for 40 years, got dusty, looked good forever, but it was no good to eat. Christians, listen, we have an unprecedented opportunity. I'm not saying to put yourself in risk. I'm just saying we have an opportunity like never before to connect with people, maybe on the phone, maybe online, maybe helping your neighbors, maybe sharing your toilet paper. I don't know. But we've got an opportunity to show that our faith is what sustains us and what has prepared us. And so I don't know if you're growing. Maybe this will be a moment of growth for you. Maybe we needed something like this to spur us. I'm not saying any of us want something like this, but maybe this will jumpstart my prayer life. Maybe this will jumpstart my commitment to God again. Maybe this will get me back where I need to go. But ultimately, the key is the pavement. Let's be a part of the road crew. It's an interesting passage that is quoted from Isaiah about John the Baptist. It says that he is to straighten out the crooked roads. He's to fill in the divots. He's to make a flat, smooth, straight path so that people can find Jesus. Not a denomination, not a church, not a pastor, not anything else, but they can find Jesus. Because I can't take away your anxiety. This church can't save your soul. This building can't do a thing for you. Oh, but if you make a straight path for people to find Jesus, if we get out of the way, if we join that paving crew and say, look, my job is to make it as easy as I can for my family, for my friends, that for them to see Jesus, because I'm flawed, you're flawed, the church is flawed, but Jesus, that's the real deal. In Deuteronomy 31, says the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. The root of the word discouraged is courage. Again, Churchill rallied an entire nation with some simple words, I believe, That if the British Empire were to last a thousand years, this will be our finest hours. He made that speech 80 years ago. It still resonates. Because it gives people courage. It gives people hope. It let England believe in itself. We've got something better than Churchill. We've got Jesus himself. We've got God himself telling us, do not be discouraged. 
be encouraged. This may just be our finest moment. I was reading a story. Any, any sports story right now will do, right? In fact, Pastor Cord said, I'm not sure why I don't just throw my TV away. There's, there's no baseball. There's no basketball. There's no, I found myself watching, watching rugby today. Uh, England beat Wales, by the way. Um, it's tough. It's, it's really tough. But there was a story of a soccer player. Here's this picture. And this was a picture of him at his baptism. And maybe that's the sports story that I needed for the week. Just to be reminded that there's something far, far more important than the stuff that we put so much emphasis on. As much as I love baseball and basketball, and I love being here at church with all of you, and all the things that we normally get to do, I don't like any of this that's playing out. But maybe this causes us to focus on what we really need to focus on. Finding Jesus again. Get alone with the Lord. Spend some time in prayer. Spend some time praying for your country, praying for your neighbors. Use this as an opportunity to pave the way. Use this as an opportunity to grow. You might have time to read the Bible, to read a devotional book, to maybe to memorize something. You've never had time before, but you're going to have some time off work or you're going to have some time just because there's nothing else to do. There's no baseball to watch. So let's be productive. Let's grow. If you're already saved, let's pave the way so that other people can find Jesus, not me. Not the church, but lead them the one that takes away all anxieties. If you want a scripture, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxieties on the Lord because he cares for you. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for everyone that's watching. I pray that as this is broadcast and rebroadcast and shared through Facebook... And other pastors and messages and churches are broadcast that this will be the church's finest hour. The gospel will go places it's never gone before. People will listen and watch that have never listened or watched before. And they'll find for the first time hope. Or they'll come back to the hope that they started with. But somewhere along the way, they got sidetracked. Lord, help us not to get so caught up in preparing for world disaster that we forget to prepare for eternity. In fact, we want to be a part of the road crew that prepares the way for other people in the midst of a crisis. So God, would you use your church that is scattered right now in a great way? And God's people said, Amen.